Food and Faith Podcast would like to thank our sponsor, Memphis Theological Seminary. Memphis Theological Seminary is currently accepting applications to join the next cohort of the Doctor of Ministry in Land, Food, and Faith Formation. This dynamic and innovative low-residency program is open to students who are passionate about the intersections of ministry with agricultural practices, food justice, care for the land, and the role of faith communities in both rural and urban settings. Students in this program explore the theological and ethical dimensions of land and its use, the role of food in our lives, and the ways faith communities both shape and are shaped by their relationship with land and food. This program will provide theological resources and practical models for the practice of ministry in faith communities, which seek to relate more intentionally to the care of land, food, and all living creatures. The first one-week residency for the new cohort takes place in June 2022, and applications are currently being accepted until April 30th. For more information and to apply, visit memphisseminary.edu. Hosts Anna Wolfenden, Derek Weston, and Sam Chang. The team's all together for our hundredth episode today. Um, Sam, did you ever think when you were like raising your hand at that table at Wake Forest Gathering, saying "Pick me, pick me," that you'd be um, coming back together for a hundredth episode of the Food and Faith Podcast? All right, so so here's what I thought. I didn't think I'd have to come back for the hundredth episode, but I was like, yeah, no, there there are a hundred conversations to be had. Um, but I tend to be an eternal optimist, and so I'm like, yeah, of course, it's going to be fabulous. And then sometimes I am surprised by the fact that my optimistic hopes actually come true. So my congratulations to you all that we've made it to a hundred episodes. Um, and yeah, we're we're a long way from that lunch table at Wake Forest. There's no doubt about that. Long way. And so grateful that Derek has now been around this podcast table and the team has, ex- it uh, expands and shrinks and expands and shrinks. And we're, we've got the whole, the whole host trio here today. I was so going to say, that- he's real good, right? Oh. Like, like he's real good at the podcasting thing. So here's, here's, um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, moving on from that. I see uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to, I wanted to kind of start with the geography question because that's what we do. So for each of you, how has your geographies changed since this show has started? Yeah, from the from the time this started, I mean, goodness gracious, um, it has been it has been a journey. I mean, even as I just think like for the podcast itself, like, you know, and sort of where this initially kind of began with Wake Forest School of Divinity and how much, you know, things have changed there and just, and reflecting on how institutions, you know, have changed so much. Mm. It sounds ridiculous for us to do like the, the old person stuff and be like, things have really changed. But like, we've done this in the middle of a time where literally everything has changed. So like even just observing the institutions that have kind of been around it and how that has changed and how lives have changed. Um, you know, I know at least Anna, you and I are in different calls. Um, you know, I, I'm in a completely different church setting than I was when I started. Um, you know, and then, you know, there's personal stuff too. I mean, I went from when we start like two, like three years ago, I don't even, I don't even remember. Like, I feels like forever. 
I think oh, yeah. the conver- initial conversation, I believe, was like late fall, early winter of 2017. Yeah, so 17. We I mean, really that's... got going in 18. Yeah, I mean, 18, that's four years ago. I mean, at that point, my oldest was 10. Now I've got a teenager in the house. And so those that geography changes a lot and the geography around that changes a lot. You know, um, you know, one of the things I was talking about with Derek is, you know, our barn just burned. So like, you know, so we're rebuilding an entire farm kind of out of, out of everything. And so, yeah, the geography's changed a lot. And that's one of the things I think I love about podcasting though, is that it like, we can kind of surf some of those changes. Like it's, you're allowed to like kind of keep going and, and, you know, you can do this from a lot of different places, but the geography that we that we traverse and the people we are does change. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And I'd love to think that the conversations we've had as part of the pod have contributed to that in some way, like they're part of the change. And that's what's, that's what makes this medium so much fun. How do you think the geography of the food and faith conversation has changed? I think you, you, you kind of hinted at that, like, yeah, things that wake are completely different. Um, you know, Fred's Fred's moved on and Fred Fred Bunsen, for those of you who don't know, is kind of a key figure for all of us in terms of uh, facilitating these conversations. But um, yeah, where do you think the food and faith conversation, the yeah, where do you think that conversation is and how's the geography changed? Well, it feels like it's, um, it's broadened and it's, uh, it's propagated in ways that um, is really exciting. And I feel like it's just feels like a joy and an honor to feel like we're part of some of that spreading of stories. I mean, you know, one of the pieces, the origin story of the podcast was being in rooms with amazing people at, at wake and at their places and just feeling like, Oh my gosh, I want, more people to have access to these stories. And I want more stories that aren't in this room and aren't able to be in this room to be heard. And it feels like across the sweep of of the food and faith movement that that is happening and that's happening in different forms and in different ways. And, you know, I see it in denominational structures. I see it cross-denominationally. I mean, there are more podcasts that are that are popping up, which is great and exciting. Um, you know, there are, there are movements that are in various denominational and cross-denominational houses that I think like the Good News Garden movement and, um, you know, some of the things that the UCC is doing and uh, the interfaith power and light. I mean, there's just, there's such, I think like there's such a continued turn to this intersection. And it feels like to me that the combination of the, intensification of the climate crisis and the pandemic has brought into focus why this work is important in new ways, both for like food sovereignty and local levels and for like global interconnectedness that this, this matters Mm -hmm. and that, um, that faith communities are, are part of that. So, I don't know, however, we've been a part of that, or not, it does seem like the conversation has widened and grown and that more and more people see how it is not just kind of an interesting like side conversation, but actually at the core of things that deeply matter to the future of the planet and humanity. 
Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I see a lot of positive movement where it's like, okay, this message is being absorbed. Um, you know, and that's, and that's cool. Um, and I'm, and, and I am grateful for that. And it's been fun to watch that happen. Um, but I do have questions about it going forward, just because, I mean, and just thinking about how movements grow and how organizations grow and all that, it's like, yeah, you do have these periods of growth. And then there's like, I feel sort of like it's kind of hit a plateau. It's like, okay, we've accomplished this goal of getting these conversations into some institutions, but what is the next step going to look like? Like it has to maintain, like, I'm going to say radical, but like meaning like a deeply rooted, like it's got to stay kind of on the margins for the urgency of the conversation to continue moving forward. And there's quite, you know, I always have questions just sort of around, okay, like this conversation has moved into, into institutions, but that means it gets institutionalized. (laughs) And so I have, you know, so my question for it is like, yeah, like that's a necessary first step. It's got to get into places where that happens. But I'm, I'm curious now, like, what are, where are the next places? that are going to keep that from kind of plateauing and just kind of allowing, you know, that to be absorbed and kind of like, yeah, we care about this. Um, And we have, there are some analogous movements where we've watched things kind of get institutionalized and then lose some steam around it. And I'm like, what's the, what's the next thing that keeps it going forward? So there's a, there's another layer of work to be done because I mean, I was just flipping through Twitter. I'm like, oh, the Antarctic is 70 degrees today. Like, (laughs) that scares the you know what out of me. And so (laughs) I'm like, okay, yeah, we've got it going. There's a a long way to go. And that's Mm. that's kind of the question where I'm at. And just kind of that's a question I'm asking of the whole movement in general is like, y'all, there's a lot more to go. And I believe in the people who want to do that work. I'm just curious what form it will take. I think one of the things that you you two in getting this started and hopefully I have in, in uh, joining you has been that a lot of voices from the margins have been brought into the center of the conversation. And I think, I think the question is how do we continue, even as, you know, we think about, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, even as we think about like, uh, wish list people that we'd love to have conversations with. How do we keep the conversations really centered on those who are at the margins, really centered on those who are are pushing the conversation? And I really like as I've been thinking about this more and more lately. I I can't help but think about um, Gary Nebhan's book. Really challenged. Um, to think a lot about uh, in our in our conversation with him really challenged to think a lot about how do we begin to center not just the voices of people who are are doing community gardens and family farms and things like that but like the farm workers who are who are like in the system like in the agricultural in the agribusiness system who are a part of this large monstrous uh thing that we call the food system and are are being exploited and are easily overlooked by the ways that we we do life um that feels that feels important as as we're moving forward to have those voices centered in new ways and and kind of screaming prophetically at the church Derek, it makes me think of the interview that we did last week with Dr. Christopher Carter. And I was just so struck and I keep like mulling it that, you know, he shared about his 
choices around veganism were about the people involved, like the workers that were exploited, that are exploited. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we extended that conversation out to say, and of course that is true with vegetables and fruit that are grown too. And thinking about how even a human centric, like a, 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 hu- a human centric ethic um, could lead someone to make that particular dietary and ethical choice, which I'm not saying that that's not about the end choice or not, but the, the thought process through. And it's really, uh, I don't know, it's kind of been one of those things that's been like gnawing at me since our conversation and thinking mm-hmm. about like how, of course, like all the choices we make have impact on other human beings and that that bigger work is to trace it. So I think it's a wonderful challenge to think about how do we pull on the thread of food in some ways that are connected to some different parts of that web. I mean, that feels like a a goal and a challenge for the pod, for the movement as a whole to continue to, to continue to pay attention to. Let's talk a little bit about some particular episodes. Um, what have been some favorite episodes, favorite conversations that you have you've had of the show? All right. So the first thing I thought about, I want to ask a question back. What has been the most downloaded episode? <laughs> I'm just curious. I, the I most uh, I can, I can, I, I'll let you start answering the question and I will, I will find that answer out for you right now. Like who cares what my favorite episode was? I want to know what the <laughs> listener's favorite episode was. Um, I'm just, I'm just really interested by that question. Um, and conversely, like, don't say this out loud, but who was the least downloaded? Like I'm interested I, I'm, in that, I, that I'm not, I will not share that on, on, <laughs> Um, you know but you know i sat with this i sat with this for a while and just kind of went through and like there's very there's obviously very different categories of like what qualifies as favorite um you know one of the ones that really showed me sort of the the interconnectedness of all this was somebody that I did very locally, which was a lot of fun when um, Ann and I interviewed um, my friend Jeff Myers and talking about the intersection of sort of the hardcore ag community um, and LGBTQ realities and the, sp- uh, the, the spaces that the LGBTQ community occupies in ag spaces or do not occupy. Um, and it's really opened my eyes as my kids have gotten older and I'm more in show circuits and working in 4-H and all that and discovering that, yeah, there actually are a lot of there's a lot of LGBTQ representation and the community doesn't always know what to do with that. And so that was really interesting and eye-opening for me. And to interview somebody that's been in my life for a long time was a lot of fun. But then, you know, there were others where it's just like, I just saw a colleague on the other side. Like I thought about the interview we did with Jerusalem Greer and we just got really excited about animals. And like, she was fired up about my pigs and like every once in a while, like she'll pop on Twitter and, you know, we'll have this like pig intersection for a little while. So the animals never hurt. Um, You know, another one that really resonated with me in the same way was Rachel Field and having a conversation around dairy cattle. Like that was fun. Like I just don't get those conversations the way that I'd like. But, you know, it. And I guess another one that kind of comes to mind, and there's a long list is, you know, I just continue because I'm so up close geographically to what Heber Brown does. I mean, there's not one word that Heber says that I'm just like, oh, I need to reimagine my entire life. Like it just, you know, it just constantly sort of that that prophetic challenge. And and I also and he's doing so much. I'm like, really, you got to sit down with us um, and talk to us. Like it was just it was a lot of fun um, to have a conversation with him about that. And and so um. So those are some that come to mind, but boy, there's a lot of good ones in there for sure. Anna, how about for you? 
Those are so many. It's just reminding me of how many. A hundred is a lot of episodes. It actually is. Like, it's not a huge number, but it's a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I was going to, it was but funny. I was going to try to guess what your favorite ones were for Sam. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I, was, I was wrong. So, because um, uh, I, the first one that I came to mind when, when you were about to answer this question was thinking about our interview with Dr. Ellen Davis, who is a um, a giant in both of our- but Derek's gonna ask another question. I'm coming to that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, that's for the next, the next question. But that was one that I um, found particularly, um, I just was an honor to have that conversation and it really brought out some pieces of um, her work and the theological underpinnings that, I found really, um, really helpful. But I think that the ones that are jumping out to me right now, as I'm thinking about it, um, were some of our round tables. So round tables that we did at, um, at Headwaters, which, and then, it, which then became the Food and Faith Conference and had ones that we did at um, Ecotones of the Spirit with, with Wake Forest's program. And having not just us interviewing amazing people, which was great, but having people talk to one another and the insights that came out of those conversations uh, really, um, I think have, have shifted and changed some things for me. And I brought forward people that we've then interviewed on their own or, you know, interviewed and followed over time. Um, I, uh, I too am continue to be inspired by, um, Dr. Heber Brown's, Reverend Dr. Heber Brown's work and the Black Food Church Food Security Network. Um, but I was remembering our interview with um, Siobhan Terrell, who was the, um, at the time, um, the uh, deputy director. Um, and it was felt just like one of those moments where you get to hear the story, not from the founder, not from the like tip, the voice that's typically out there, which just felt like the essence of my hope for this pod was to hear voices that are not usually the ones that get the interviews. Um, and it's something I continue to, to think about. Um, but hearing her insights on food sovereignty and on um, how her own history and geography influenced her work about doing work with the Black Church Food Security Network, um, that was really, that was really inspiring. I'm remembering the time where we interviewed Derek, which I mean, that was like- I was coming to that one too. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that we talked about lawns, which continue to be a, yeah. something I care about, getting rid of them and growing food instead. Um, but just the the uh, energy and the, I guess I would just say like the, uh, the spirit that came out in that and that it was so clear of like, oh, we should all be having conversations together. Um, so I guess maybe one of my themes is the times where it's really been a conversation rather than an interview are the ones that kind of stick out to me in terms of tone and how they, um, how they, uh, me and, and, you know, I think recently I, I think about, um, interview that, uh, uh, Derek and I did with Bruce Ray's Chow and, um, there's people who you're kind of torrential, like, kind of friends with like on social media or friends of friends, but there have been times where this feels like sitting down around a table with a meal or a drink or whatever, and having a conversation, even though we're on a zoom screen from wherever we are, that 
that feeling of connection and conversation um, has been some of my favorite pod experiences. Okay. What about so, you, Derek? So to answer the question of the most downloaded episodes, this actually shouldn't be surprising at all, but the first episode is the most downloaded well, I kind of figured that was going to be the case. Like, and, that's, and, that's and that cheating. makes sense. It makes sense because no it was, it was Nuria. <laughs> You know, yeah. so like it makes absolute sense that that would be the most downloaded episode. Um, but second is is that one with Siobhan Terrell uh, talking about the black church food security. Figure. Huh. And and I think I think that resonated with a lot of people that um, it was good and, and like as inspirational and powerful as Heber is to have someone who was able to give kind of an outsider perspective, not outsider, but like um, just not the founder, someone who had a different angle on it and was able to like talk a little bit about the width breadth of what the Black Church Food Security Network is doing. Um, I think that resonated with a lot of people. In terms of favorites for me, it's it's really, it's really tough. Um, I, you know, I have love, I, I'm kind of, with Anna is like, I love when the three of us have gotten to talk. Um, I've, I loved, uh, Anna, I, I love to hear authors talk about their process. Um, so actually Anna's, um, where she was talking about her book, um, Emily Scott, where she was talking about her book. And again, like with these being people that I know, it helps a little bit to just kind of dive into those sorts of things. So yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I've gotten the pleasure, I think, of interviewing, you know, I, I, lots of friends. And that's kind of fun, you know, um, that uh, John Creasy and Bruce Reyes Chow and uh, Hugh, who was on recently, you know, I've had lots of my friends on the show. And it, one, makes me feel good about my choice of friends. <laughs> um, and, uh but also just like in these conversations, I've gotten to hear their hearts in ways that don't often come up in kind of typical conversations. So those have been some of my favorites. So that 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 segues into the second the next question of what guest has been particularly meaningful to you? And I think this is this is where Sam was this where you were going to talk about Alan Davis. Yeah, it was. I was like, all right, I can't answer this. These two questions the same way. Um and like when I was thinking about this question, it was like I thought about it in the context of, you know, who kind of ministered back to me in that mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that I thought about this is like the things that have really resonated most with me, the way it kind of the way that I've always thought about this movement has been from and I hope this analogy makes sense, like from a monastic point of view, like I've never really thought about it from like an like an activist or a platform building or anything kind of point of view. It's like, no, actually it's like this movement invites me to the quiet, to like the still, the deep and still waters of my own faith. Mm. And as I thought about it, there were three 
interviews that really kind of took me to that place of uh, almost a contemplative space. Um, and it won't surprise either of you when I lay out that the three were Gary Nippon, um, Ellen Davis and Fred Bonson. Like I think of all of them as sort of a monastic quality. I'm pretty sure Fred wants to be a monastic. I know Gary uh, is, a, is a brother of a, partic- of a, a particular order of Franciscans, um, but all three of them are just always calling me to something deeper than where I'm at. Like it's a, it's just the way that they write and the way that they carry themselves in the world is just, is, is like, is a sermon in motion. And so, um, those were the one where they just called me to be a better person, um, Mm. and to, and to, and to understand my own vocation Mm. in the world, um, through this kind of food and faith lens, like to invest in that vocation and to let that kind of shape my wider ministry, um, in a lot of ways and just my wider understanding of self. And so those, and, and I still can't believe all three of them talked to us. Like I'll never forget when I got the email back from Ellen, she's like, yeah, I'll come on. And like, really? Like, really? Like you, (laughs) you know, like, I guess I'm just surprised by success. I, I couldn't believe that she was coming on. I couldn't believe in the middle of the conversation that we were having that conversation. Um, Gary's another one where I'm just like, my man, like there's so many places you could be talking and here you're sitting just having, just spending an hour with us. It was just, it was really special. So that's how that, like the most meaningful ones, that's how I thought about it. Those were three that came to mind. Um, I'm sure there are more, but they're just kind of three peas in a pod for me. Sam took two out of three of mine. So I'm trying to like, I don't know what you three think. <laughs> there, I did better that time. <laughs> So uh, this is this is maybe a surprising one. Laura Allery, who we've had on the show twice, um, is uh, just someone who has blown me away both times that we have had her on the show. Um, and and for those of you who might not remember her, she is a a children's book author. So one is Bree, the Child's Guide to Ascension, Pentecost, and the Growing Time. I think that was the interview you did with her, and then. Um, What's growing in Larry's garden? Yes, thank you. Yeah, those. So those were the two where we had conversations, and she actually has another one that's come out. So Laura will be will be in touch soon. But I literally just read it to my daughter this morning. It came yesterday. It's beautiful, and I can't wait for the interview. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, part of it is is you know I think so much of our conversation is big and heavy and we're having these adult conversations and Laura has invited us to think of how do we have begin to have these conversations with our kids how do we begin to to fold our 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 young people into these conversations the second thing is just that it's really fun to read a kid's book like it's really fun to read and a particularly a really well like she's a great writer and 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 for you know the one sort of about um about pentecost you know to be able to explain uh church seasons in a way that is accessible to kids uh that's a feat it's reminded me, you know, I think, I think again, to take this, to take the spotlight off of some of these bigger conversations. And, and again, the wish list of guests, you know, Laura brings me back to the simple and, and what it means, like what it means to be a parent and what it means to be um, someone who cares deeply about the future that we're creating for children and, and what it means to have children understand these important conversations and and 
I've just very, you know, I very much have appreciated her presence. I love that she's willing to come on and read parts of her book on the show. And it's, and, and I think more than anything, when we had her on the first time, I was just, I was just surprised and caught off guard that I was as moved as I was by a children's book. So Laura Allery is, is one of my like all time favorites. That's awesome. All right, Anna, now you have to answer the question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, Gary Paul Navham and Fred Bonson and Ellen Davis were the three that first popped out in my mind. So um, I, I guess that is a confirmation that those were powerful interviews. They were good. But since, you know, Sam stole those from me because he went first. Um, I thought of four more. So I, I, I'm switching to a different category um, because Sam, you spoke eloquently to them. And I, I, sh- I share similar um, experiences of those episodes. So the next kind of batch that sh- jumped out at me were people that um, I have either known before or have come to know through the pod and have continued in conversation. And that has been really um, that has had been meaningful and had an impact on my thinking and doing in life. So I'm thinking about Kendall Vanderslice, who um, was one of the um, early supporters of the pod and somebody, you know, sh- she and I sat down, I think actually probably before I talked to you about it, Sam, and we're talking through and she was really encouraging and and as she was thinking of doing something similar. And there was just a, a just a real spirit of, cooperation and camaraderie and just that cheering one another on that I continue to appreciate. Um, and Kendall's work has just really helped me to see a different window into this movement. And whenever we've talked to her, I've come away going, Oh, okay. You know, when, when she shared about, um, the history of, communion and corn and wheat and Mm -hmm. how um how you know early settlers had had made that had brought that shift and how communion was part of that and all of the impact on it and the theological impact on it i mean it just it just there's pieces like that of this insight and wisdom that have stuck with me and continue to shape my theology my food and faith ethic my understanding of what is our work to do? So Kendall really jumps out. Naria Love Parish, um, Reverend Love Parish, who is, you know, episode zero, um, who has been a supporter of this work for as long as as long as <laughs> as she and I have been connected and has she's been doing this work in really powerful and beautiful ways. And there's also just a generosity of spirit that um is meaningful to me and that again, just the sense of hey, we're all in this together. What are you doing? Great. How can I support it? Here's what I'm doing. How can I share what's happening here? Um, and just a belief in one another. I think those those relationships of feeling like this, this, this matters. And sometimes we feel like we're just out there being like, hey, I think this matters. And to be with like-minded people who say, no, I, I think, I think we're on to something here. We need to keep being in these, doing this work. Um, and then um, Nikki Cooley comes to mind, as well as Jerusalem Greer, as people that I met um, because of this this network. And I mean, Nikki and I met a couple times at Wake Forest um, events, and have had the opportunity to interview her a couple times. And just 
voices that I keep going back to and that I keep following and wanting to listen to. And I, I think that the, I think some episodes have and conversations have been powerful because of the conversation in that was recorded and others have been powerful in that they, they're part of a bigger ongoing conversation mm-hmm. and engagement with someone's work. And, um, and those ones that I just mentioned are part of that latter group and that um, something I just really has enriched, enriched my life and my, my journey. Because I'm, I'm also just kind of willing to uh, be a little self-deprecating here. Um, the least downloaded episode was the one where the three of us talked about food media. So uh... <laughs> we, can, okay, well, we can totally share that then. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I was like, please don't. <laughs> it's like, where's this going? <laughs> oh, it was us. Awesome. It was us. <laughs> I guess people don't want to hear about food media. I, I, I guess not. Um, so that segues into the, <laughs> the question of have there been disappointments? Um, I'm super disappointed that people didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that that was going to be my disappointment, but no, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for <laughs> I'm calling BS right now because y'all are watching these food shows. Give me a break. Like there's one more like British baking spring show thing that pops up. I'm going to lose my mind in my house. So y'all are watching. Watching. Don't give me that. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't believe it for a minute. Well, I think people want to watch them and they just don't want to hear us talk about it. <laughs> so, I mean, oh, for anyone, I mean, has there has there been has there been anything about maybe not? A, I, I won't I won't like put it in in terms of like a disappointing episode, but like, have there been have there been things that you've been disappointed with with the show in terms of thinking about like or things you you'd want to do better or anything along those lines? You know, I think something that um, a growing edge, a continued growing edge is the difference between an interview and a conversation. Mm. And I listened back to some of our early episodes and just, I don't know. I mean, disappointment is a very loaded word for me, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think that, uh, my continued growing edge as someone doing interviews is figuring out how to set the tone and to ask questions and to be in a place where it's less of a, I will ask you a question. Now you will answer the question and more of that, you know, a live conversational piece. So I guess I would say that the times when I've been disappointed in myself as an interviewer, where I feel like, ah, that just, that didn't quite click or like, I, or maybe, you know, I wasn't in a good place or I hadn't taken the, enough time to do the research necessary or whatever it, whatever it is that sometimes it feels like the, it clicks at other times, not so much. And I, I mean, it might be the guest's fault, but I'll, t- I'll take responsibility as the host, right? Like it's only fair. We take responsibility. Yeah. As the there host. are times though, that I'm like, I'm like, hold up. Like you're dialed into this, like get excited. <laughs> like part right. of me is like, sometimes mm-hmm. like, like I'm just, it, it's yeah. And, and sometimes it, it really is kind of the atmosphere. And, and that's one of the things I don't, I didn't fully appreciate is like what a skill podcasting is like. Mm -hmm. And so let me just shout out, you know, fellow podcasters who are willing to do, yeah, who are willing to do the work. It's, it, it's a heavy lift and I wasn't ready for that. But sometimes it's like, 
y'all <laughs> like we don't have a big platform but we're fired up about the same thing like let's get fired up about that same thing together okay and yeah. so um you know and i i think that you know as i think about my disappointments i think that you know it it, it comes along those lines of you know i have had i think we've all done interviews where at the end of them we got people to like really like oh well that was that was fun it's like okay well can we do the interview again so it sounds like you had fun <laughs> <laughs> yes i had two thoughts about it like one one was actually it it actually there was some disappointment in it but the other hmm. was you know just kind of how i'm thinking about podcasting in general. And the first was like, I was actually like, I still remain surprised that people care about the conversation. You know, it's like, mm. I care, but I just don't assume that other people are going to care. And so one of the cool things about the pod has been how many people have cared. But then I was also surprised and disappointed about the people that didn't care. Mm. And that was always something that I really struggled with because part of the reason I wanted to dive into this conversation is to stay there are value. There's so much valuable wisdom on the margin. And all I wanted to do was do the tiny little thing that I could do to try to shine some light, whether that's rural communities, whether that's communities of color, you know, just the people that exist on the margins and people who would shrug back at me and say, okay, well, I don't care. Mm. I'm like, really? Really? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and, you know, as a rural pastor, sometimes, you know, I hear a lot of nobody cares about us. Nobody pays attention to us. Like, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to help. I'm going to do what I can with that. And, but to not hear any interest in kind of those conversations happening just remains kind of this paradoxical weirdness for me that, you know, sometimes was hard to hear like, oh, you, you don't listen, you're not participating. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just weird to me in some ways, you know, but I, but I've also just thought about like podcasting is such a weird thing. Cause like there was a little part of me when we started, it was like the last thing the world needs back in 2018. And still the last thing the world needs is another podcast. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to own that baggage for me. But at the same time, like it's a way to get a conversation going. And I've been really grateful to be able to do that. Um, but I'm still kind of surprised and struck and it's still kind of churning in my soul that like this, the, the nature of this work by itself is it's on the margins. It has, it's prophetic in that it's going to make some demands of our food system. It's going to make demands of capitalism. It's going to make demands of racism. It's going to make all these demands, which cuts across the grain of our culture in every way. And yet I'm still struck by the fact that we have to play by the rules of culture in order to accomplish that. So it's, mm. so I'm thinking about the nature of platform building and like, all right, we've got to get eyeballs on this because the conversation is no good if nobody listens kind of thing, you know, and it's no good if nobody shares it. And so it's not a disappointment. It's just as I've you know, had the opportunity and needed to kind of take some time to step back from it, just thinking about that paradox and what a what a weird time it is to be in just to try to do any work that is positive whether it's activism mm. or ministry or even just trying to just serve your neighbor like trying to say the world around us in so many ways is crumbling but have to use those tools in order to accomplish that work i'm just struck by that and that's something yeah. that this question kind of got me thinking a lot about i don't have good answers to it but sure I'm thinking a lot about that yeah yeah that's a helpful lens to to use for because we you, you're absolutely right we are speaking a lot of our guests are speaking prophetically from from but we're trying to use this very very popular medium 
and trying to cut through a lot of noise, trying to cut through a lot of noise. And that's, that's the thing that I, I, you know, as, as, <laughs> as we're recording, uh, we are, we are two days removed from the Oscars. And I, as, as I was posting, as I was posting our, our episode yesterday, I was very aware of like how much it felt like, sorry to interrupt your conversation about Will Smith and Chris Rock, everyone, but, 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 but there, there, there's this couple who, who are making this documentary about our food system. And I think maybe you should listen to them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, it's, it is, it's weird. It's weird. It um, is. <laughs> yeah and like that whole thing i was just like y'all don't need to hear from a white boy about this i better sit this one out <laughs> like you know but yeah like culturally just to cut through and get to the conversations that matter are yeah and I, and i'm not saying that you know there are bigger questions about what happened and you know all of those there's an interesting conversation to be had there nobody needs my voice in that conversation <laughs> but i do think there are interesting questions to be asked but are they the most urgent and right. are they the are they the most important to our to our souls and to our you know our our collective good that i'm that i'm not convinced about yeah 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 um yeah, I can say a lot about that, but I'm gonna move on. <laughs> Wait, we should do like, the Will Smith Chris Rock episode. Like, we might as well. And how does that have to do with the intersection of food and food? Yeah, and, and what do we do when that's the most downloaded episode? Like, talk about existential crisis. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> oh, that's that's the day I quit. Um, <laughs> okay, we're not doing that episode. <laughs> that's that's the day I hang it up. Um. So we've we've talked a little bit, and again, I think we've we've all kind of been had these moments of amazement. Um, for me, I, you know, in the last last year, uh, was really uh, pleasantly surprised that uh, Adrian Miller sat with Sam and I. And Sam, I still have your signed copy of the book, so you need to. We need I'll to bless you. <laughs> we need to find a time for lunch. Um, but we've we've had these conversations where we're like, wow, people have like taken a moment out of their time and stopped and talked to us um so who's who's still on the list who's who are the folks that we still want to talk to you and, and that could be that could be kind of big or small in terms of of who you're thinking about but um yeah what's what's your what's your next hundred episodes wish list look like you want to know what i actually type first <laughs> to do you might edit this out the first <laughs> thing i typed out was no more episcopalians i'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> ouch ouch and for those listeners uh, uh spade spoon and soul uh you can go uh, and no, download I, that podcast. Look, i have oh. i have so enjoyed <laughs> And if it makes my Episcopalian siblings feel any better, there is now, because of my conversations there, there is now a book of common prayer sitting on my desk. And I use the readings regularly inside of my congregation in terms of daily prayer. So there, I'm doing penance. But no, I was like, we, this has been an ongoing joke the whole time. Listen, so I was it's like, just, I gotta. It's <laughs> just envy because they're smoking the rest of us. Well, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm a jealous, bitter pastor. Like, I'm fine, by, I'm fine saying that. Make that I the know, episode I title. I don't care. <laughs> Sam, I was going to say that I, you know, really miss you being on the show, but I realized <laughs> that that I have not had to like have denominational warfare on the show. <laughs> so uh, 
I, I, I do miss you being on the show. Yeah. I mean, that might be because I have absolutely zero pride in being Presbyterian, but uh, <laughs> yo. So back to back to our question. Yeah. Back to our question again. Is this is this? Sam, would you like me to answer this question first? Yeah. <laughs> But but there are, you know, and, and I was thinking about this in terms of kind of where I started, like it, like the conversation, not has plateaued, but it's kind of arrived at a place. And what is the mm. next place? And so as I got to thinking about this, I'm like, yeah, a lot of a lot of the conversations have been have been with people that we already believe have some sympathy to the movement, people mm-hmm. who are engaged in this, who you know, and, and we wanted to shine a light on that. I'm curious going forward if it's more conversations with to take the conversation to people who need to be informed of this conversation. So like one of the things that popped into my head was, you know, so when I run around state, the Maryland State Fair every year, we always get a visit from the governor and from mm. his um, secretary of agriculture. I don't expect to get the governor of Maryland on the pod, but I'm like having the conversation with like the secretary of agriculture for the state of Maryland and saying, hey, like we're interested in agriculture. Like and here's some questions that we have about this. Like, let's talk policy, like mm. come on the show and let's have a conversation about that. I don't know if he'd take my phone call, but the point being is like he's not. I, from everything I gather, he's a half decent guy. He's an Eastern Shore farmer kind of guy. You know, I think it'd be an interesting conversation. But to drive it to what does what does state policy look like around our water? You know, the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland is always a topic of conversation, mm-hmm. and it always lands on the back of farmers. I have some strong opinions about this, but that might be a, that might be a conversation that would be interesting. Um, I don't know how interesting to like people in Massachusetts, but larger policy conversation I think would be really interesting. Another hole that I thought about was fishers. Mm. We've not talked about sort of ocean culture, um, at mm-hmm. least to my knowledge. I just and the relationship between ag and I'm going to use the term watermen, watermen and waterwomen, people who work on the water um, is always a really unique kind of a relationship. And that's I wouldn't even know who to call. But I'd love to hear mm. we talk about the land all the time. I'd love to talk about the water more for sure. So those are a couple I- ideas that I had. Um, you know, it's but wow, I mean, that's one of the beauties of this podcast is that it never the conversation never really ends. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a million conversations to be had. But I think those are places that could move the conversation forward, keeping it from just kind of becoming, OK, we talk to people who like to garden a lot and people who like to cook to saying, what are we doing in the world that's making a difference? <laughs> the first person that came, the person that is continues to be on my wish list is Leah Penniman. <laughs> who's the author of um, Farming Well Black and one of the founders of Soul Fire Farm. And I just would love to talk to her. That's like my like, you know, if you could have a conversation with. So she continues to be on my dream list. I think that one of my, I mean, I love, I, I'm, I'm kind of going in the direction that, you know, Sam, you just took my brain in a whole different direction. And I love, I love that idea of expanding out to into policy and looking at other parts of our food systems. Um, and, and maybe it connects with the, another thing that I've been thinking about and wanting to think about is um, we kind of flirt with the idea of being inter- interreligious conversation, but we are primarily a Christocentric conversation. And um, that's an area that I'm really interested in. Like, I would love to talk to some of more of our Jewish siblings and our Muslim siblings and our, you know, and, and, 
our spiritual, but not religious and our Hindu and just like going in more deeply into other traditions. And I think that's where, you know, I think something we, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but we, we are very loose about what the intersection of food and faith means, you know, and, and that's primarily on the faith side that we're a little, we're a little loose and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And I'm also curious about how we could delve more deeply and specifically into having diversity of faith views on this show. So that's an area I'm interested in. And, and I just think it's something that I always want to be very mindful of and conscious of to not, not to reach and stretch something that's beyond what is within our, our purview as, as the three hosts that we all are within the Christian tradition and to continue to have a big wide table and learn and invite and listen and bring people together. And so I guess one of, one of my dreams is to have a round table that is based on interreligiosity around food and be able to bring various traditions into conversation, not just one-on-one with us as hosts, but into conversation with one another. Um, because I, I don't know, I think that the way that the world changes is when there is collaboration and cooperation across all sorts of difference. And so I continue to be, to be curious about how this show can be part of supporting that work. Yeah. What about you, Derek? Yeah, um, I echo that. And um, uh, Shani Mink, who was on the show, the uh, executive director of the Jewish Farmers Network, um, she and I have been in conversation and she's had some suggestions for me about some other Jewish folks to have uh, on the show. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And Michael Twitty is still on my still on my list, yeah. and he is he is Jewish, and his book is coming out, and he's going to be on the show. Um, so that's I'm just I'm just yeah, I'm, it's, that, that's, it's not it's not even my theology, but I'm naming and claiming it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to to your point, Sam, I think I think there is a there is a you know there's a preaching to the converted aspect of of our show, which you know I think on 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 one hand. I think a lot of us needed to know that we weren't screaming into the wind all by ourselves. Oh, that like we agree. That, that we needed the network, right? We needed to to find out that there's people there. But there is a piece of like so, and 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 Sam, you actually kind of brought this up as we were thinking about doing series and doing conversations. Um, you know, I we do a lot of demonizing of of big ag, and I. I would love to have some conversations with people who are are managing CAFOs. And I would like to have some conversations with folks who are a little more involved in the food system at, at, at those at those corporate levels. So because I, I my guess is that they're not living with blinders to the conversations that folks like us have, but there are other pressures. And some of those people undoubtedly are people of faith, right? and have thought about the ways that they bring faith into their work lives. So, you know, I think, I think there is a space in which we, we, we do expand, you know, who's at the table, who's, who's in these conversations. And I love the idea, Sam, of, of uh, thinking of, of the folks who, you know, particularly, you know, I I'm now on the board of 
uh, interfaith partners for the Chesapeake. And so we've been having these conversations about fishing and oyster farming and those sorts of things. And like, that is a piece. And I, uh, and I would add that we haven't talked a lot to hunters Mm. and, you know, I, I, I think about, you know, one of the things that, uh, excites me about the next hundred episodes is like this conversation is so broad. I want to talk to restaurateurs and I want to talk to folks who had to, you know, shift their businesses during, um, during the pandemic from brick and mortar stores to trucks and, and different kinds of um, delivery systems. And I just, I just think that there are so many ways that food touches our lives. Um, You know, I think, to the extent that we are mindful about food and where food comes from, we are engaging the spiritual side of ourselves. And, and so I, you know, I, I do, I I have, I agree that we've, 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 we've played kind of fast and loose a little bit with the, the faith component. Um, And I think that's, I actually think that's a good thing, but, but I do think we can have that that fastness and that looseness in thoughtful dialogue across those divisions and and seeing where there is some commonality. So I have lots of people that I want to talk to. I have lots of people I want to talk to. We're, we're going to do our best to get as many of them on the show as we can. Beyond who's on the show, what are your hopes for the show going forward for the next 100, 200, 500 episodes? <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say years. I'm like, five years. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> I, 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 I don't have that much faith in being around. But yeah, next, the, next, the next little bit of the journey, what's, what, what are your hopes for the show? Well, I think we've named a lot of them in this already in terms of continuing to broaden the voices that are on the show and I guess the ears that are listening to the show, you know, continuing to, to broaden the conversation. And I, I am excited and hopeful to think about naming the specificity of that, not just to say like, we want more people, but to think about who is not on the show, who hasn't been on the show, who, who, what voices are not, you know, in this, in this conversation around this table. Um, I guess one of my hopes is that we keep asking that question and that we keep pursuing that question. I think, I mean, in my experience, especially when life gets full and busy, it's easy for us to just take the low hanging fruit of guests, which end up often being people we're already in conversation with that are kind of already in our circles. And it's great to talk to those folks. And I guess my, my hope is, is that we can take the energy and the intention and with intentionality seek out a continued growing variety of of guests and of conversations i think the second thing that comes to mind in terms of a a practical takeaway from our conversation today and i hope i have is i hope to do more roundtables and to integrate that into our um rhythm of of shows you know and recording is to have more spaces where we're bringing multiple guests together and facilitating um shared conversation so that that feels important um and then i guess i on a big existential level i hope that these conversations are part of the change we need in the world that we can be part of that you know building of the beloved community of more of god's way of earth way of being here on earth the incredible 
care that is needed and shift of life that is needed for us to be able to care for the earth and all all created creation on the earth and um that in whatever small way that we continue to be part of that and don't and that we keep in mind that that for me at least like that's why I do this like yes it's fun and yes it's enriching and sometimes it's you know one thing too many and whatever all those pieces but that it but that it's part of something that matters deeply and that it is part of of these bigger bigger world goals um which I continue to believe need to be both the small local change and the big global shift and I I guess my hope is that that this is one of the ways that we are contributing to that bigger work I still kind of hope that like I don't want to put this like I think one like getting back to sometimes the institutionalism of stuff is like new media challenges um institutions sometimes and I hope and and it can be hard to get our minds wrapped around it like wait a second how is this supposed to factor in I'm dealing with this you know inside our own denominational um realities of like okay now everybody's on Facebook and not everybody knows what to do with that and like helping <laughs> congregations figure out like what that's supposed to look like is is a challenge um but whether we like it or not, these kind, these new kind, new forms of media, which aren't really new anymore, like are they are contributing to the conversation. Um, I think of like the New York Times, the Daily is probably a news source for more people than the actual mm-hmm. New York Times. Sometimes, like you know, mm-hmm. just that's that's how I think the world is changing. And so, in order for these conversations to move forward. Um, I would hope that, you know, we'd get to engage with some other platforms. Like selfishly, I want somebody to put me on a plane, invite me to a seminary and like, let's have a, let's have a weekend where we talk about this. Like that would be fun. Like that would be a lot of fun. So I'm okay saying that, um, you know, but I do hope, you know, that, that we continue to stay on the front end of things and creating conversation in spaces where geography becomes an issue, um, which has always been sort of the sort of the weird thing about this. We talk so much about geography and we're like never in the same spaces kind of thing. Um, yeah. But that's 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 what I hope. And I hope one of the things that I've always believed about platforms is platforms are built to give them away. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to see, um, you know, the pod's never been about us. Um, we, we felt like we brought something to it. And so, you know, there, ha- there has to be a gravitational center to things, um, you know, but even just as I look at the three of us on a Zoom call, I'm like such different passions and such different ways we enter into the conversation. And like, sometimes I'm just like, Derek, I would love to watch you peel off and just do 10 episodes of something that like you love, like, and just let you just let you do it. Anna, I mean, you've got, you know, just allow you to just kind of spread your wings and fly. And we've interviewed people where I'm like, that person needs a podcast. Like, can we give them one and like, <laughs> let them run that conversation as opposed to me trying to run that conversation? Cause rural white boy ain't going to do the best job of that. Um, you know, and so that's what I would hope. Like, I would love to see it spread so that more conversations can happen in places that that don't rely on us. Um, I love us, but I, I've always believed in the power of movement over the power of personality. Um, and, you know, and that's that continues to be something that, that challenges me, whether it's being a pastor or a podcaster is how do I hand this off um, so that so that others can be centered in some way. And so those those are some of the things that excite me about this this platform continuing to grow and develop. Um, and I'm glad that we've done that a little bit. Um, I would love to see that happen more. So those are some of the things I hope for. My fingers are crossed that um, that we can we can do that and stay on the front end of things because ministry is hard right now, but it's 
it's exciting. And this kind of stuff continues to excite me. I think in terms of my hopes, uh, a hearty amen to all the things that have been said. But, you know, I think about, so there's, there's a couple episodes that have been recorded that will come after this episode. And it's, one is with a woman from the Dominican Republic who is a nutritionist and a dietitian. One is an African-American woman who is a lactation specialist. And thinking about like food goes in a lot of different directions, right? And, and we need, you know, I, 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 we need to be as aware of all of the different ways that food touches our lives as, as we possibly can, because because of my deep belief that food connects us to God and to each other and to nature. So I, you know, I, I want to just can kind of continue to push the envelope of, of the ways that we interact with, with food. You know, one of, one of my other favorite uh, recent favorite episodes was having, you know, my friends from the the black and Brown podcast on and, and thinking about, uh, the spirits industry and thinking about like, yeah, beverages are a part of this conversation too. And thinking about all of the ways that those things work together to build community or break community down. Cause that's really what, what food really does at its core is like it either builds community up or it breaks community down into these, these separate different corners. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited for the idea of, of spinning off into a lot of different things. You know, um, uh, I mentioned Spoon's, uh, Spoon, Spate, and Soul, um, which is the, the uh, Episcopal-friendly podcast. Um, that <laughs> We're Episcopal-friendly. That, that uh, <laughs> are we? No, um, that, that our friends, Jerusalem. I'm <laughs> The Jerusalem Greer and uh, Brian Sellers-Peterson and Jennifer Baskerville-Burroughs, you know, was inspired by this podcast and decided to go off and and, and tell the stories of... um, what's happening strictly within the Episcopal church. And I'm, I'm, you know, proud to be a part of that project. You know, there's a lectionary um, around the time that this is being released. um, There's going to be uh, three episodes of a lectionary, uh, a green lectionary podcast um, of folks who have gathered to talk about the passages of scripture for Holy week. um, But to look at them through a creation care lens, um, so that'll be coming out soon. We've had the documentary. Anna and I have the book. We've gotten to have our hands in, in, in some different things because of the podcast. And I'm excited to see more of that happen. As, as Sam has said, you know, I would love for us to have, uh, to be able to facilitate more of these conversations, particularly in theological education, because my God, the church that is coming into fruition is not the church of the fifties and theological education needs to adjust. And that was mini soapbox there. Um, But I do hope that we get those invitations because we, we do need, we do need to be uh, thinking on, on the front edge of, of where the church is going and where the culture is going and not getting left behind. There's a point to which you want to, the gift of the of the prophets is that they had the ear of the kings, and there becomes a a, a, 
a point to which you don't just want to be the one out in the wilderness eating locusts and and screaming repent at some point you you do want to be you you do want to see that like okay people are actually coming to listen and they're thinking about what we're doing and we're thinking about what does institutional change that takes food and land seriously look like um we're beginning to see you know our 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 friends at memphis theological are are doing that and our friends at farm and area are are doing that and and there are other pockets our friends at lexington theological are doing that um there's pockets it's beginning to happen um but i i just want to see so much more of that and i think we need so much more of that because we we are in 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 a climate crisis um and food plays heavily into that so I believe in the power of telling stories. And I think one of the, one of the beautiful things that we've done is we've, we've allowed space for story to be told um, and story around, uh, around the ways that food can be uh, an instrument and an element of faith formation. And so I just want to continue to do more and more of that and, um, and have that be more central to the conversation of what it means to be a person of faith in this country. So Thank you for listening to the Food and Faith Podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plain Song Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep Until. Editing is by Derek Weston and music by Paul Deemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org. <laughs>